I'm Ben Easter, and you're listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast, the podcast that gives you the mindsets, strategies, tips, and tricks to live your freedom and love your life. If you're here, I suspect that you have a total badass inside you, but chances are that you haven't let it play full out yet. Maybe you've been told not to, that it's too much. Maybe you've been worried about what other people will think, or maybe you just haven't made the space to shine. If any of that sounds familiar, you've come to the right place. Each week, my co-hosts and I will be exposing the lies that keep that badass chained and, more importantly, sharing the tools to help you break free and share that most authentic you with the world. So, if you want more freedom, possibility, or courage, then I'd invite you to take a deep breath, get curious, and listen carefully for your shift to freedom. Welcome back to the Shift to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Ben Easter. I'm here with my co-host, Clayton Olson. And uh, today we're talking, we're going to talk about something that's a little bit different in tone today, although it's still at its, at its essence is about creating freedom in ourselves and our worlds. But today we're going to be talking about the AI revolution. The AI revolution is here, Clayton. I know. I know. I, it came apparently right on time. I remember watching Ray Kurzweil's movie back in the day. I think it was <laughs> exactly. called uh, Transcendence or Transcendental Man? Uh, the, the, transcendent, the Transcendent Man? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And it was up talking about how we are going to hit in 2027 the, what is it called? Yeah. The, the point of no return. The singularity. The, the singularity, right. And so, you know, we're four years behind that. And uh, we've got, I don't think we've hit singularity yet, but it sure does feel like things are speeding up in a way that is really difficult to track. Yeah. And so, and just to kind of like add a little bit of context to what Clayton's talking about here. So the singularity, this is the idea that at some point in the future, and uh, Ray Kurzweil is a, a technologist. He, he's, he basically has made his money by investing in the precursors to future technologies. And he's done a really good job of predicting what technologies are going to be coming down the pipeline, has done this since the 80s or maybe 70s, I think. And the idea is that at some point in the future, our technology is going to get so advanced and it's going to accelerate so quickly that in order for human beings to keep up with it, we will be forced to merge with it. And that is, he calls that time the singularity and, you know, enter creepy music and every post-apocalyptic, you know, Terminator, you know, Ex Machina, all these other movies about the rise of the machine, the matrix, all that stuff. So anyway, the idea is that there's going to be a part where a point where technology is because we always use the technology that we just created to create the next technology. So it accelerates. So, you know, like it took us a really long time to figure out the hoe. But once we had the hoe, then, you know, having ox pulled hoes was a lot easier for us to figure out that sort of thing on to the point where now we had like you know, phones a hundred years ago, but then we had the computer. The computer was necessary for the social network. The social network has now enabled us to be, and the internet, and the internet has now enabled us to be in this place where we are now, where you've probably heard about ChatGPT and how it's taking over the world by storm. We hit a point where where we could almost look, you know, a hundred years into the future and have maybe some idea of where we're going to be based on the current technology. And then as time's been speeding up here with the technology, we can maybe look 10 years into the future and see where we're going to be. And that time keeps exponentially compressing to where you it becomes even more difficult to even see what's going to happen in the next six months in terms of where technology is going to be at. And I feel like we're that feels like it's fastly approaching. 
Yeah. And there's some really interesting stuff about this. Like if you're, if you're, if you want to nerd out on these things, Isaac Asimov as a science fiction writer, I think has done a very brilliant job of kind of looking into the future and imagining what might be possible once other things are possible in the reality. And so I think he did a really cool, uh, maybe I'll be able to find it. There's like a short story on kind of the entire history of humanity as glimpsed through the question of like, what happens after energy wears out? <laughs> anyway, it's fascinating stuff. But so let's talk today about uh, kind of center our conversation around how do we think about this emerging emerging technology? Uh, you know, it can be as with these stories, the Matrix and Ex Machina and, all, and Terminator and all these things. A lot of people have a lot of fear, I think, around the technological revolutions. And I, what I'd love to do is kind of center this conversation around not just what's possible and what kinds of things the technology can enable us to do, but also how do we think about centering ourselves in our experience given an increasingly uncertain world? How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds like a great direction to go. And I think a really important one to, to talk to. And I also want to say that this feels very emergent for me and has been top of mind for the last few months and trying to find, you know, what is the, the proper positioning, right? How much vigilance and fear is maybe appropriate and necessary to like keep my eye on the ball? How much do I want to be using this? How much authority and responsibility do I want to be giving some of this new technology over my life, over my creative process? And looking at ways in which it can continue to maybe foster me moving more and more into my genius in terms of what the things that I'm working on as well. So yeah, lots of really, really important questions here that seem that they're critical to at least be in the inquiry of so that we can approach this next chapter with stability and some grace. Yeah, totally. Because I think that there is there is like a sort of a branching future that most people, well, it's, uh, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but at least I can say that there is a sort of branching future that I see. There is either a best case scenario, we're talking like, utopia, this is the thing that you're just, you were just kind of alluding to. I see technology in the next 10 years as either being like, uh, now we live in a utopian society where everybody kind of gets to live in their highest joy because all of the sort of menial tasks and, you know, labor that most people don't like to do, but feel like they have to do for whatever reason goes away. And so we live in this golden age. Or we live in the dystopian future where everything takes, <laughs> where the technology takes over, humans are disconnected, and that uncertainty is kind of what's driving this conversation. And I think what's alive in so many people as we see ChatGPT. I mean, the founder of OpenAI, I forget the guy's name, but I was watching him talk on a, in a lecture the other day, and he's like saying, like, I don't think people understand what this is going, like nobody is talking about it as though they understand what is going to happen, like how quickly these changes are going to happen. We're not talking a hundred years in the future. We're talking eight <laughs> years in the future before everything, like, like life as we know it has changed one way or the other. And so how do we as, as humans in this world who are on the cusp of this transformation, how do we navigate this? How do we maintain our sense of self-center how do we find a, a way for ourselves to feel free to live our lives while at the same time this is going on in sort of the background of the narrative? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a number of ways into this topic. And the first way that kind of occurs to me is that I think that in some ways what we're talking about is how do we relate to power? 
Because AI, in its essence, is power. AI is an incredible amount of power and it has the, uh, it's an incredible amount of leverage. And what are we leveraging it for? And are we leveraging it for something that could be detrimental to us? And I think that this is a really big experiment right now. And so one of the questions that it's got me asking is, what are the things that are really important to me that I'm not willing to give up? What are some of the the thinking processes and the way that I approach my life and my business that I actually, although it might feel convenient to do so for the name of efficiency and the name of volume, actually either bring me happiness or are something that create a sense of meaning and purpose that it actually doesn't make sense to outsource and to create with. And we can go a little bit deeper into that of some of the the challenges that I've come up against as I've interacted with ChatGPT. But maybe first, I just we can start a little bit with like some of the positive things that I think that this new age kind of represents, which is the capacity to be able to do more with less in your business, to take over processes that you don't necessarily maybe want to hire for or don't want to do yourself, taking over things that will allow you to move more into your zone of genius. And I think that's one of the benefits of this technology is that in in ways it can free you to begin to really ask the question, well, God, if I didn't have to do these things in my life, what is it that I really want to be doing? What is it my heart really wants to be doing and to be creating? And I think that you can outsource the stuff that's getting in the way of that, automating things within your business, replicating yourself to a certain degree. All of this is, I think, really important. And then one thing that I've noticed, and maybe you can talk to this piece too, I'm curious about it, but I think on the positive side, what this new age represents is a capacity to where this AI is almost archetypically going to take on a parent role for us. It's going to take away a lot of the adult functions that we are usually responsible for that will allow us to maybe move into a new age of play. And into a new age of, of actually accessing more of our child in society because some of these larger things that we have to be so serious about are suddenly being taken over by this collective consciousness uh, that is AI. And on the shadow that side of that, really interesting, but yeah, and I think there's a shadow side to that as well. But I'll just stop there for a moment because I listed out a number of things. I'm curious how those things land with you and if there's anything you'd add to the list or want to double click on. I think that this thing that you're saying, and and I think this is a really useful time for us to be asking this. So there's like a coaching question that is old. I don't, I don't even know where it came from, but I learned it from a guy in a coffee shop one day, went back way before I was a coach. But the question is, what would you do if you had more money than you could ever spend and you knew you couldn't fail? That's like kind of a question that can help you to get at your zone of genius or like, what's the purpose of your life? What's the way in which your highest and most ideal way of spending time is? You know, most people are like, oh, I go on vacation. I go to the beach. And it's like, yeah, okay. But six months later, after you've done all that, you know, decompressing from the the necessary, you know, contractions that exist in your reality as it is now, once you've like kind of decompressed, then what would you do? How would you actually spend your time if you didn't need money anymore? and you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do with your life? And I think that's a really interesting question to kind of get at that zone of genius. And this is also, I think what you're saying is like, what might be possible in the not too distant future is for this thing, this entity, this collective consciousness to kind of remove all of the barriers to that way of showing up in the world. 
in your zone of genius and in your kind of happy place. And I think that this is a really great time to, if you haven't asked yourself that question, if you haven't really thought about like, what do I, how do I most enjoy spending my time in the world? What is the most meaningful way that I get to spend my time in the world? Right. That if I didn't have to work, what would I do? And that then we can start to ask the question of like, well, how, how might we be able to create that in our reality with this tool, which is that that's all it is, is a tool. And maybe it winds up being a parent for us, but it's still, it's a parent in the sense that it's going to take care of things that we, <laughs> I think that's just such a funny relationship with a parent. Like, <laughs> oh, you're going to just take care of things in my life that I don't want to take care of. But yeah, so I think that's a really interesting question for people to ask. Is that a question, by the way, that you, do you ever use that, that coaching question? Yeah, totally. A variation of it. Yeah. Time and money weren't an issue. What would you be focused on? I often give that to my clients. I think it's a really important question to ask on a date just to start to elicit some of the values of someone that you're just getting to meet and understanding, you know, is a, is a relationship in their future? If they they want that, you know, is travel, is kids, like what what's there? I think it really frees people to just uninhibitedly speak around what's in their heart. Yeah, I love that. And then the other thing that you said that I'm, I'm like really interested in is this idea of the, of the play of, of having that more childlike relationship with our world. This is something that I think I suspect when people hear this, that's exciting. Like the idea of like, how do I be more childlike? How do I navigate the world from that, from that sense of play and like possibility without having like the obligations, the, the ever present obligations that exist? in the world that the, you know, the story of like, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And then whatever is left of our time in the day, we usually spend trying to unplug or unwind or whatever from all of those obligations, you know, and this, this is a really interesting concept for where we're going with AI too. And then of course there is this, this dark shadow side to it. Cause it's like, you know, children are monsters <laughs> as well <laughs> sometimes. I think that, and this is where I think we start to talk a little bit about the shadow side of this is, you know, one, you bring up a really good point. Who do we become if we suddenly have a lot of our adult thinking taken away from us or we give it up? We voluntarily give over that type of authority. Does that aspect of ourselves that makes decisions and thinks from our adult consciousness, uh, does that atrophy? And then what does that leave us with? And how, like, what is the emotional experience around that? Does it feel like complete freedom? Or in some ways, have we given up something that is crucial and critical to creating meaning and happiness in our life? You know, like, for instance, I, I do think that like, people, I think that people need challenge in their life. And if we just give up all of our challenge, then are we going to have the structure in place to be able to take on life and actually feel confident, to feel competent in something, to feel like agents and decision makers of our life. Do we, can we trust, will we end up trusting ourselves less by giving too much authority over to something outside of our own decision making? That's a real question that I have in this. And practically speaking, one of the things that I've noticed when I'm interacting with ChatGPT is like, I can give it so much power. I can bring ideas to it. And I could tell it to put ideas together and write an email or to create an article. And what I've found is that in doing that, there's something so miraculous about it. And that's so awe-inspiring about it because of just the volume and the ways it can put things together. But I'm noticing where I feel a lack of freedom is suddenly I feel like that creative artist inside of me gets blocked by something. 
where suddenly now I find my artistry almost trying to navigate around ChatGPT's output or it gets blocked by ChatGPT's output. And so this dance that I feel like I'm in with the AI at this point is how do I use this thing to support me and actually make sure that with discipline, I keep it out of the territories that make me uniquely me or keep it out of the challenges that I really want to engage in because it makes me a better human being to engage in those challenges. And I think that's the risk. And that might be the question that everybody's got to ask themselves interacting with this type of power is how much of this power do you let in your life into your mind? And where are you establishing dominion over what is your unique challenge as a human being that you want to partake in because it brings meaning, it brings aliveness, it brings freedom to engage in that challenge. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, the, and so much of that is like, that is a, the question of fulfillment, like where, and, and it's a boundaries question. It's like, where do I draw the line? Like this thing can take over any part of my life, but what for me, do I believe it, it should take over? And what I mean by that is like, what, what is aligned for me for it to take over? What, what preserves the parts that are the most important about life for me? You know, when you're talking about this, this idea of like atrophying responsibility, I think of, you know, the movie Wally where they're all, you know, they're all up in the space station and just like in those hover chairs and anything that they want is just like provided. And they just like, they don't have to think about anything. And it's just like all like this big advertising, you know, thing. And I think that's like this dystopian future or a version of a dystopian future, which is ironically like a utopian future in a way they have everything that they could need provided to them. But, I, but there is something that's missing. There is like a certain kind of challenge and, you know, and I think about the experience of setting out to do something and having it not be obvious and not be easy and then figuring out how to do it. And then like what that feeling is like to figure that out. And there's something really cool about that. I wonder what happens when, you know, when the machine is taking care of all the things and we don't have that challenge. I do like I get really curious. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I was going to say to that point, it's almost like... um I'm imagining that feeling that the words that came into my mind is that thing of you facing a challenge on your own and then figuring it out yourself, right? Relying on your mental capacities, whatever it is to get through that. It's almost like a mini hero's journey, right? And if all of a sudden we start to just exonerate or lose those little mini hero's journeys that we get, that we get to embark on in our life, like, yeah, who do we become as a person, as an identity, if we don't know, we no longer have that because we have an option to opt out rather than go through the fire. Ah, uh, oh man. And that, and so that, that is where I think there's something really interesting here because that is a choice, right? And, you know, we've been talking about this since we saw that Ray Kurzweil movie ages ago that, you know, they, cause they talk in that movie about this, like being perhaps the greatest loss of human life that ever happens is when this, this AI revolution happens, not because there's some war that happens where people fight about it, but just because people give up and they just no longer have meaning in their lives anymore without the struggle. Right. And I get really curious about this because there's almost like two ways, two ways that we can use the AI. One way is to remove all obstacles and make everything easy. And the other way is to buttress is to build the structures around the challenge such that we stay consistently in that challenge, that hero's journey thing. You know what I mean? Like, the infinite creative capacity of this stuff to like build a, a game, for example, that, you know, like a game that never ends because it, it can procedurally generate 
the quests and the challenges that exist in the world. Right. And it's like, that seems really fun. And are we going to see like, cause we, those exist in video games. So are we just going to see like, that's what happens is like, there becomes the, these infinite video games that never end and don't need developers that just like continue to like be storytellers and have new characters and all this stuff. And then like, and then I wonder back in the real world, there's this this way that we could use the tool as well to help us design the challenges and obstacles and like objectives and quests in which we could like use ChatGPT, for example, to turn real life more into a game in a way that has been very imperfect. Like we've, we've seen that gamification is something, but like they've used like badges and all that stuff. But there's there've been very few people who have done a really solid job of any kind of like gamification of life or business or anything like that. But ChatGPT could potentially do that where it's like, all right, here's your, here's questions to help you shape your reality. And then here's some choices that you could make and then go make those choices rather than like telling ChatGPT. Cause this is where I think the dystopian future would be like telling ChatGPT. All right, you tell me what to do. Right. But the, the flip side of it would be like ChatGPT saying like, well, here's some questions to help you figure out what you want to do. And by the way, what are your answers to those? Okay, now you, let me feed those back to you. And that I think is a really interesting place to play. I, I tend to be an optimist around all this stuff. Yeah, all this no, I love it. I, I think it's really important. You know, I think it's really important to be an, to have that optimistic lens and stance during a time like this because there needs to be somebody kind of holding the torch or a group of the population holding the torch on what's possible versus everyone focusing on the, all the bad things that could happen. And, you know, what I'm hearing you speak to in this in some ways is like maybe the meta question we're talking about here is how are we in relationship with it, right? Are we going to create a codependent relationship with it where we create it and make it the hero and we're the victim of life and we're exonerating our power, our responsibility, our agency, our authority to this thing. And we're doing it in our business and we're fearful of it. And we have a fearful relationship with this thing, you know, or is there a way to be in relationship with this where we feel secure and there is a, a balance of, of power and responsibility in a way in which it really can be a complement to your life. And the thing is, is because it's, it's not sentient yet, um, to my understanding, uh, we have to really be the agents that we know of. <laughs> that we know of, right? That we have to really be the agents here, determining the nature of our relationship with it, and where do we draw those lines, and what are we putting boundaries around in our life that is sacred that we're not bringing to the ChatGPT altar or whatever you know, Bard altar, whatever new program is is coming down the pike. So. Yeah, it's like, you know, I think how, how can we be in a good relationship with it, a, a secure connection with it versus a toxic relationship with it? It's so interesting what it reflects back to us, because in some ways, isn't this the way that it's always been, that there are going to be circumstances in the world? And our the question that we get to answer for ourselves as humans is how are we going to be in relationship with our lives? How are we going to use what shows up to either our our benefit or our detriment? And so, so much of this, I think so much of what this thing is doing is it's just like, it's turning the volume up on that decision because, you know, the more powerful a tool gets, the more capacity that tool has for either great harm or great benefit in the world. You know what I mean? Like a hammer can be used to build a house or a hammer can be used to kill somebody. It depends on how you use it. Or a nuclear bomb, right? A nuclear bomb to, you know, power a city or to... Blow a city exactly. Up. Yeah, exactly. And so the more powerful, the more powerful the tool gets, 
I think the more uh, impactful the way that we approach this question of how are, how are we going to use this tool becomes. Yeah. Yeah. So that begs this question. I think this would be a good place to maybe bring in a little bit of what you were talking about earlier is like, what is the, what are stances that someone can take during this time where things are in such flux and there's so much volatility and unpredictability. So I would be curious on, on your side, like what kind of questions do you feel that are present for you as you continue to bear witness to this new chapter that's opening? You know, some people might be asking, oh my God, am I going to lose my job? Right. And kind of be in a place of scarcity and contraction around this. Some people might be turning a blind eye to it completely. Some people might be like in the, you know, the arms race with AI where, you know, it's like every single marketer I see right now that that's like the hot topic is, and you know, there's so much fear from marketers too, is like, like you are going to be out of business, you know, in, in five years or not even maybe by next year, you might be completely out of business unless you jump on this bandwagon right now and come to this conference (laughs) and sign up and give me your, yeah, right. and maybe that's true and maybe it's not. I think that what we may forget too is that we're all just trying to figure this stuff out because this this is massively disruptive to everybody and everybody's just, you know, maybe one step ahead. You know, some people might be one step ahead, but no one's got it figured out. Anyway, that's a long preamble. I guess my question is is just how are you, what is your stance towards this right now that you have found to be beneficial and what questions do you feel like you're living into around AI that have served a utility in yourself being able to have, have vision and kind of see through this period and not lose your stability. Yeah, man. So one, I just want to preface the answer to this with that thing. You know, you, you just sent me the, maybe we can get this for the show notes too, but there was that, the image with the optical illusion where you, somebody is sliding the gray dot up and down and it's literally looking like it's changing colors in front of your eyes, but it's not changing colors at all. It's just an optical illusion. The idea I think that it's really just critical to understand is that the world doesn't exist in some objective way that we have access to. The way that we think about the world and the way that we process and interpret data is where the world actually happens. And I just think it's really important to remember this over and over and over again, is that we are creative in our thoughts. We are creating our reality in a very real, very direct way. We're creating our reality. And so the the preface to that being there because as we step into this world where whatever changes happen, whatever changes are coming down the pipeline, the way that you choose to think about the world, the way that you choose to interpret that data is still going to have, there's no way that we're going to lose that creative capacity. Okay. It's still going to be the world that we see around us is going to be through the lens that we are looking at it. And I mean, it's super obvious in some ways. And also it's like one of the most profound truths that exists in the world in another way that we are literally creating our world through our interpretation of it. And that's not something that I think everybody gets, but it's really important because now we have this thing that's happening and all, again, all it's doing is turning up the volume on our interpretive lens. Okay. That's all it's really doing. So for me, the fundamental question here is the choice of which world I want to believe in. Okay. Do I want to believe that this thing is the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity and is ushering in a golden age? Or do I want to believe that this is going to destroy the planet? Neither of those states is true. Okay. Cause they are about a future world. 
that exists. And so whatever world I'm living in right now about the belief of them is going to be just that, a belief that I'm making up and choosing to, to take on. And I won't know the truth of the belief until I'm proven otherwise. But my ability to see proof is actually also de- dependent on my interpretive lens. So for me, the question is, do I want to relate to this thing as a friend in my reality and figure out how I can use it to more, to become more of myself? Or do I want to use this thing as a way to, you know, waste sort of waste away an excuse to waste away and um, to not take action? And I think that that is, that is one of the core questions that I'm really, I'm asking myself and I'm making sure that I answer in the way that feels most aligned and authentic for me. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Right. There's useful ones and non-useful ones. And I I have a really useful one there, which is how can I use this to become more of myself versus let who I am atrophy uh, in the face of it? And yeah, I think that's a really, I think that that's the million dollar question right there. And it, it seems like this time right now, as the volume is turned up and the speed is turned up on things, it is in some ways begging people and inviting people to ask that question. Yet who am I and what? value do I bring? If this is going to be the value that this thing does, right? Like what is the challenge that I, that I want to kind of cut my, my teeth on and, and sharpen my metal on? Yeah. And, you know, and getting curious, cause like any of the doomsayers, like, sure, there's a world in which all jobs go away and all, but I don't believe that that's the only way of interpreting the data. The other version of looking at that is just like, look, there's always going to be people. People are always going to want things to be other than they are because we just like we live on the leading edge of creation. Right. So that's just the nature of humanity. So there's always going to be people that you can get curious about what they want and you can contribute to their life in ways. And there'll be people who will want to talk to people rather than a machine. And maybe they won't be able to tell the difference of it, but they'll still want to be engaging with somebody like that. So there, so it's like, what value do you want to be in the world? I think is the question. Yeah. Cause you can do that whether or not anybody else wants to participate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So something that I'll just underline there that I'm hearing is like AI and what is happening is here. And it's not going anywhere at this point. And we can either be arguing with that and in resistance and in fear of it, or we could get really curious about it. If you're in fear about it and you're in a sense of urgency about it and you are contracted around it, more than likely, you're not going to be in the most resourceful, flexible, curious state of mind. And being in a flexible, curious, open state of mind where we're welcoming this new aspect of reality rather than resisting it is probably going to bear and give us the highest probable chance of being able to suddenly see the opportunities and the ways that we can actually start to work with it and use it in a way that helps us come close to ourselves and provide more value. So this is, I, I can echo what I'm hearing you say, and there's an, this is the element that I feel like I'm having to come back to on a, on a regular basis because I find myself shift into fear from time to time around this stuff. It's a roller coaster. I see the opportunity and I see all these different avenues of, oh my gosh, what direction should I go? Right. And that's where I can feel paralyzed and like not free because it's just like, should I go this way or should I go this way with it or this way with it? And the more that I can just relax into this and just be the witness of it, welcome it and trust in many ways also myself to be able to see the path when it reveals itself. 
versus thinking that I need to get ahead of the game, like being in a state of mind where I'm like, oh, I'm falling behind and I need to get ahead, right? I'm not making the best decisions when I'm in a state of being that I'm falling behind. I make the best decisions when I don't have anything to worry about and I can just actually play with it in openness. That's the stance that I'm continually inviting myself on a regular basis to to come back to when I start to feel contracted in fear around this, as I think many are. And I just want to double click on what you're saying so that people can really hear this. It is a practice. When I, you know, I'm an optimist at heart through cultivation and I have like really cultivated an optimistic personality. I also drop into fear sometimes. I'm like, what is going to happen? You know, what, what's going to happen? And then it's like, it's like the two wolves story. You know what I mean? Which one are you going to feed? Right. And so it's, it's remembering to come back to nourishing the part of you that is in possibility where everything's okay, where, and if you haven't already done philosophical work to get yourself okay with whatever outcome exists, then that's some philosophical work that we can do. Okay. But get yourself okay with reality and whatever happens. And then remember that you're okay with reality and whatever happens. And that is like a really important piece of navigating an ever changing and ever uncertain world. Yeah. I think the basics really apply here more than ever as things are speeding up coming back to the foundations of like, okay, what are the tools you are using right now to ground yourself in your body, find your center to stay open, to stay curious. Like all those tools, what Ben's talking to, I think around like, you know, you're like really developing your internal philosophy and becoming and moving more into an anti-fragile state during this time. Like this inner work is more important now than ever, in my opinion, because of how fast things are changing around us. How do we now find that inner kingdom, that stability on the inside, that structure that can support us as things, as the, as the ground in the world shifts? Yeah. For so long, I think people have been telling a story or been able to tell a story that they can control everything and they can just like through force of will, you know, like stay in char in front of the river, you know, and it's, and it's more and more that I think we're, we're, it's going to be important for us to just reconcile ourselves to the fact that the, you can't hold back the ocean. It's just, it is what it is. And at best we can surf it as well as we can possibly figure out to surf it. Totally, man. You know? Yeah. And there is a massive swell in the water right now. Yeah. And so how do you ride, how do you ride that wave versus get drowned and crashed by it? Yeah, totally. Exactly. Brother, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I think this is one that we'll revisit from time to time periodically uh, because it's just, it, it is moving so quickly and you and I are like, we didn't even talk about anything technical that we're doing in our businesses. So that'd be something interesting to talk about at some point in the future. But tune in because we will uh, we'll be staying abreast of this. This is something that Clayton and I have both been interested in for since before it was cool. <laughs> we've, been, we've, been, we've been following the yeah 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 exactly. We're engaged in this conversation and, and we've been doing it for so long for a, over a decade. So it's like uh, it's really interesting to to think about in that way. Great conversation, everybody out there. Keep yourself centered. Live in your freedom and love your life. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Shift to Freedom podcast. If you want to get the most out of your time here, think about this. What's the one thing from this episode that resonated the most for you? Asking that simple question can help anchor in your insights and remember who you want to be. If there was even a single thought in today's episode that helps you to become even 1% more free, then we are thrilled. If so, would you do us a favor? We're on a mission to spread the message of freedom and we could use your help. See, the algorithms love it when we get reviews, shares, comments, and likes, and then that helps other people like you to find the podcast and just maybe change their lives. So if you like what we're doing and you want to generate some positive karma for the day, please write us a review wherever you get your podcast love. See you next week. And in the meantime, live your freedom and love your life.